Lord, shall we? The Bible tells us to do this. And you know what it tells you to do when you clap your hands? To get your mouth open. And to shout with a voice of triumph. That's what your Bible says. You say, well, I don't feel triumphant. Do it on credit. God's credit is good. Come on, come on. Let's clap our hands and throw our voice up. Oh, God. It has been a delight to come to Rialto again for the second time. We were with you celebrating uh, the ministry of the bishop and his wife and then the official installation of your good pastor and his wife. And I'm not just saying this because I'm in your presence and preaching in this pulpit tonight, but my my good wife would be able to verify, uh, and I... If I told her once, I probably told her a dozen times that that meeting that we were in uh, with you last month is one of the most memorable, and, uh, and I've been in many, many meetings, but one of the best meetings that my wife and I have ever been in. Uh, I feel like God spoke to us directly and confirmed some things in us. I felt like we were strengthened and refreshed in that service. We came, we came just uh, whatever in our small part, very, very small part, maybe to be a blessing to our good friend, uh, your pastor and his wife. We wanted to be a blessing, but we came and were blessed. And then to come and to be with you this morning and tonight is such a distinct honor. Uh, just the two times that two occasions that I've been here, I've, I can uh, testify to the fact that Jesus is the subject, object, and project of this church. Hallelujah. He's the center of this church. And that's where he needs to be. When John saw him in the book of Revelation, he was right in the center, right in the middle of the church. Thank you, Pastor Joel Booker, for being my friend and... Uh, I was telling a preacher, no, I was telling my wife. I talk to my wife a lot. I talk to my wife a lot. I'm going to talk to someone intelligent. I talk to my wife. Hallelujah. Someone said, is your wife a preacher? Well, she's a home missions preacher. She preaches to me at home. <laughs> I, was telling, I was telling my wife, I said, of, of the, the preachers my age, you know, give a few years, uh, older or younger, Joel Booker is the premier and the best as far as I am concerned. And I'm not just saying that because he's my friend. I'm saying that because I believe that. I believe that. And uh, he's, he's been such a blessing to us in Shelbyville. Our church loves him and God anoints him. Am I reading your notes okay that you gave me? I'm having a hard time with your penmanship. 
<laughs> I'm just teasing. Bishop, I love you. Your fingerprints are on my life from such a young age. And uh, I spent about two hours with your bishop and your pastor today. They didn't have to. I must have had my wife's dentures in my mouth. I just kept talking. I just, I just kept talking. And... Uh, your, your pastor and the bishop, they didn't have to spend all that time with... Listen, I, I don't golf, I don't, I don't uh, and I don't care if you do, you know, Paul said he finished his course, you can go finish yours. I don't hunt, uh, you know, and if you do, that's fine, just remember Esau and Nimrod were hunters too. I, I really don't have any hobbies. This is what, this is what I do. Preachers are my life. And, uh, you know, when I was single and didn't have kids, you could listen to a lot of preaching tapes, and I became a tapeworm. And when you have kids, you don't, you don't uh, get to listen to preaching like you would like to. And I like books, so I guess I'm a bookworm. But preachers are my life. And uh, I, I feel like I've been so uh, encouraged just being with uh, Booker and Booker, Inc. And I mean that. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank God one received the Holy Ghost this morning. And I'm wondering who would God like to baptize tonight? Hallelujah. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Amen. I want to read from the Gospel of John today. I know you've been standing. I'll be standing longer than you, but I want to be mindful of of that. The Gospel of John, chapter 1. I'm glad my good wife is with me. I love her very much. And uh, Sister Booker, I can tell you she appreciates your friendship so much. It means so much to us. Praise God. John chapter 1, I want to, it'd be so easy for me to read the prologue. And uh, if we preached on the Godhead, Lord, I don't know what time we'd get out of here. But your pastor took me to a wonderful restaurant, but my burgers wore out. And so if I would have ate, there's no telling what time I'd have finished. But I want to go get something to eat. So uh, let's hit this hard, all right? E- even if you don't like me. The good thing is if you don't like me, you're not going to see me again probably for a long time anyway. You know, I know some of you this morning say, well, I'm glad he's not my pastor. You know what I was thinking? I was probably glad you're not my saint. <laughs> so you just got to put up with me just for a little while. But let's go past the prologue and jump right into verse 19, all right? And this is the record of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? He confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? He saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And I'm assuming that's coming from Moses' writing in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, that messianic prophecy, uh, uh, or excuse me, the prophet, excuse me, the prophet lies. Art thou that prophet? He answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou that we may give an answer to them? He was that man Moses prophesied about. That's. Let me check that. They said unto him, Who art thou, that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou of thyself? 
He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. Art thou Elias? No. Are you the prophet Moses talked about? No, that's Jesus. No, 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 no. Then who are you? I'm the voice. I like that descriptive term that John and it used of himself. I am the voice. And the Lord being my helper, that's what I would like to preach tonight. The voice. Could you just give God some more praise and let's lift him up and let's honor him and praise him. Oh, God. Boy, there's a tremendous spirit of worship in this house. A tremendous spirit of worship. My God, my God. God bless you tonight. You may be seated. Right at the offset of opening our Bible, we're introduced to three outstanding things about God. The Bible opens simply with, in the beginning, God. And if you do not have enough faith to believe those first few words that Moses wrote in the beginning, God, you might as well close your Bible because you're going to struggle with everything else. In the beginning, God. I like that. Boy, if I had time, I'd like to work that a while. (laughs) In the beginning, God wipes out the theory of, of atheism, the belief that there is no God. In the beginning, God wipes out the theory of pantheism, the idea that everything is God. In the beginning, God wipes out tritheism, the belief that God is three persons. Hallelujah. Can I just say tonight, I'm not just non-Trinitarian, I'm anti-Trinitarian. For the Bible says, in the beginning, God. Hallelujah. In the beginning, God does away with polytheism, the belief that there's more than one God. In the beginning, God deals with the agnostic, the belief that there could be a God or maybe there isn't a God. But in the beginning, God, that that takes us to the existence of God. And then in Genesis 1-2, we have the Spirit of God moved. That's the activity of God. And then in Genesis 1-3, This is marvelous, just these three words. And God said. So we have the word of God. Or or we it's a marvelous thing that in the creation God uh, is upholding and 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 the sole reason that creation is in existence is because of what God did primarily in Genesis 1 and 3, and he'll continue to do in the creative week. God began to speak. God began to talk. So immediately from the beginning, the entire creation is introduced to and has come acquainted with the very voice of God. The writer in the book of Hebrews tells us that through faith we understand that the worlds were framed 
by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made by the things which do appear. Praise God. Some of the most richest and vivid and uh, uh, writings that give a depiction of the very uh, Son of God, Jesus Christ, is in Hebrews chapter 1. And he opens up very similar, the writer does very similar to how Moses opens up his book in the book of Genesis but the sevenfold glory of the son of God one of those things is he upholds all things by the word of his power ladies and gentlemen of the jury I want to tell you something about Jesus hallelujah he's not like an atlas that's holding the world with his arms on his back no the son of God our great God and savior Jesus Christ upholds all things by what came out of his mouth In Genesis chapter 1, he upholds all things by the word of his power. Amen. That's shouting ground right there. God didn't have to get up in the morning to make sure the sun was going to shine. God doesn't have to check tonight to make sure the moon's going to do her thing and the sun are going to do its thing and the stars will do their thing. No, no, he's not worried about the axis of the earth and amen in its orbit around the sun. Amen, they're controlled and they're upheld and they're created by the very word of God. Ten times, just stick with me for a moment. Ten times in Genesis chapter 1, we have that expression. We have that phrase, and God said, and God said, and God said. I don't know about you, but that just kind of grabs me by the tie and arrests my attention. This is probably a made-up term. I've never read any theologian use it. I guess I just made it up. So you think that I'm really half intelligent and smart. But up until this time, there was an uncreated silence there were no angels singing there were no animals trumpeting there were no humans praying and talking to God all of a sudden amen a God who came from nowhere amen stood on nothing and spoke into nothing and created everything all of a sudden amen the silence amen if there even was silence amen is broken up by God speaking into his creation eight of those times in Genesis chapter 1 and when God said God said God said amen it is a creative expression what I really like about Genesis chapter 1 hallelujah is God's not done on day 1 2 3 4 or 5 but he's working up until he gets to day 6 because God's going to do something on day 6 that he hadn't done throughout the whole creation he's going to make something amen he's going to make someone I should say that is going to have the distinct honor of being the image bearer of God in all of creation what God's good man I wish I had some Pentecostals to help me preach just for a moment hallelujah the angels don't hold this distinction nothing in creation holds this distinction but God is going to make a man in his own image you know you know when Rome when Rome would conquer what was no the known world at that time amen they would put statues and busts of Caesar in that conquered area amen throughout the 
city that people were reminded this is your Lord this is your God you look at this image and this is who you worship amen but you know what God was doing when he told man to be fruitful and multiply he was putting his image in all the earth amen not that people would just look to us we mirror the image of God I wish I had time to preach. Amen. That image looks down to the incarnation. Amen. To the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Who Adam. Amen. Was a figure of him that was to come. You're not a crack house. Amen. You're not a drug house. Amen. You're not just any type of person. You are made in the image of God. Finally, somebody in creation in the image of God. Why did he make? Why did he make man? Amen. He made man. Amen. Not just to till the earth. He made man not just to populate the earth. But I believe there was something in the heart of God. Amen. That when he put Adam to sleep and took a rib out of him. Someone said, what kind of a rib was Eve? Prime rib. That's what kind of rib Eve was. Amen. And he made the woman and brought her to the man. Hallelujah. And the man gives him part of his own name. He takes a look at her and says, whoa, man. The woman, Eve, who's the crown jewel of all creation. Finally, God looks in creation and he sees something that is not good for the first time. He looks through creation in the days and when he's done creating, God saw that it was good. But when man is alone before Eve, God sees something that is not good. And he says, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helpmeet. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for doing that. And when he brings the woman to the man, he steps back and he judges his creation. And he says, it is very good. I wish I had time to preach today. You're on a journey from good to very good. I'm sorry, is it something I said? There's a lot of folk, they can't shout and they can't give God praise until they get to the very good part. But on day one, God saw that it was good and he said, I think I'll stop here and praise myself. Y'all ain't helping me here today. Amen. If you wait till everything's very good, amen, you'll never give God praise. You'll never give God proper due reverence. Hallelujah. Well, Brother McDonald, I started paying my tithes, but I'm still struggling with this. That's good, but keep on working till you get to very good. Well, Brother McDonald, I'm not there yet. Should I quit church? Should I? No, Bishop doesn't want you to leave this church. Pastor doesn't want you to leave this church. We're all on a journey from good to very good. But if God, if God can step back, because evidently for a while there wasn't nobody to praise him. If God can step back and say, amen, I know there's no trees yet. I know there's no grass yet. There's nothing filling the sky. There's nothing filling the sea. There's no man mirroring my image. If God can step back and say, you know what? I know I'm not on day six or everything's very good, but I'm going to stop right now because it's good. I don't want to stay here. I want to get to very 
very good, but I'm going to pray till I get there. I'm going to worship till I get there. If you're struggling, you're in the right house. If you need help, you're in the right house. If you need deliverance, you're in the right house. Keep working till you get to very good. Keep believing till you get to very good. Keep trusting until you get to very good. Is there anybody in Rialto that has a struggle? Is there anybody in Rialto that's not everything they want to be? Why don't you stop right now and give God a little praise? I do have the Holy Ghost. I do love my pastor. I do love the word. Worship with unanswered questions. Worship with inconsistencies in your life. Worship with defeat. Worship with struggle. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. I thank God where he brought me from. I thank God to where he brought me to. And by faith, I thank God for where he's going to bring me. How in the world can some of you sit on this? Not on me. This is encouraging. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were a Quaker. You know what the Quakers used to do? We're going to sit here till something happens. You may be sitting a long time. But somebody's got to have the resolve of the woman with the issue of blood. He may never touch me. But that, that's not going to stop me from touching him. I wish God would move me and God says, I wish you'd move me. I wish God would bless me. And God says, I wish you'd bless me. We come to church and say, I wish God would touch me. And God says, I'm looking for somebody to take the initiative. Touch me, touch me, touch me. I know you got bills to be paid. I know you got a bad doctor's report. I know some of your kids are backslidden, driving you nuts. Amen, it's not very good, but there's enough good. I said there's enough good. If he never blesses me again, if he never helps me again, God's been good enough. Oh, 
I'm on a journey to very good. Hey, how much time I got here? Who give me five more minutes? Five minutes? Raise your hand if you give me five minutes. Five, t- good night. I got 20 hours here. Five, 10, 15. I don't have to blast another religion because we got enough problems in our own. And Pentecost does have a problem. I don't have all the answers, but I can point out the problems. I'm good at pointing out the problems. Say, you got a solution? No, I just know the problems. Sometimes we have a problem that we're long on shouting and short on teaching. Okay, I'm trying to... I'm, tr- I'm trying to behave here. Listen, listen. As much as I like to hear it, I don't need anybody to tell me I'm a good preacher because I know I am. You know how I know I'm a good preacher? We have church in Shelbyville, Wednesday Bible class. We have church Friday night. We have Sunday morning, Sunday school, and Sunday night. I am such a good preacher. I've got people, they're hit and miss. They, they might come Wednesday one week and skip a month and then come back on Sunday and skip two months. I'm such a good preacher. What I give them that one time they come, it, they don't have to be faithful. I'm so good. That's how I know I'm a good preacher. They don't have to be there every service. Same people probably wondering, where's Brother McDonald today? They don't care about me when I'm there. They just want to know where I'm at when I'm gone. So, Brother McDonald, you shouldn't say that. Listen, listen. You can think, whatever. That's why you need to be in, not you, my church. You need to be in my Wednesday Bible class. I'm not giving them good knowledge. I'm giving them God knowledge. Wait a minute. Wait. Hang on. Because you might not be so hungry for fried chicken after I say this. Because come Sunday in the church service. Now, not here in Rialto because everybody loves the bookers. Bishop said that this morning. There's no, I don't feel any devils here. No bad spirits. Amen. After your pastor dropped me off from lunch, I was looking for a house to buy here. It's just so nice. It's like my pastor used to say, everybody loves the evangelist because he leaves, but when he becomes the pastor, they hate his guts. They need to, come Sunday, you may not feel God. Come Sunday, you may not get to... mm. But were you in Wednesday Bible class? Yes. Then you don't shout over what you feel. You shout over what you know. Am I out of line? Listen. Wait a minute. Wait. Uh, listen. I want you to back this up by the Bible. Okay, Flash. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and our Savior Jesus You want more grace? You want more peace? You need more knowledge. Not trivial knowledge. Like the Bible class we heard this morning. And the Bible classes you've been getting for 30 years. And the messages your pastor's been preaching to you. It's knowledge. 
Because, because you know what? The devil's going to slap some of your wigs off and knock your false teeth out and kick you in the shins and say, now run the aisles. Hey, man, let me put this on you. Let me do this to your kids. Let me mess with your father. Now let me see you pray. You know what? You can run when you don't feel anything. You can jump up and down when you don't feel anything. You can. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord at all times when I feel like it, when I don't feel like it, when things are good and when things aren't so good. It's not what I feel. It's what I know. I know I'm redeemed. I know I'm saved. I know he has made me accepted in the beloved. I know I'm baptized in the Holy Ghost. I know there's one God. I know holiness is right. There's enough. There's enough. There's enough. There's enough. And if you do it by what you know, you will feel something. So I'm on a journey. And I'm the image bearer of God in all creation. Everything God was doing was leading up to that man that he made on the sixth day. Before he made man, God opened up his mouth and spoke about the man let us make man in our image after our likeness (laughs) then he creates man and he speaks to the man be fruitful multiply replenish the earth but I love the transition God speaks about the man he speaks to the man And finally God says, now I'm going to speak with the man. And Adam and Eve knew God showed up on their real estate. For they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden. In the cool of the day. The same voice that created the heavens and the earth. The same voice that speaks into nothingness and creates everything is now condescended to his creation. And he's not talking about the man. He's not talking to the man. He's talking with the man. There's fellowship involved here. There's intimacy involved here. How did God know that? God have mercy. Listen, you're the one that gave me 10 hours to preach. How did God, I only got two messages and you're getting everything on Sunday morning and Sunday night. How did God know it wasn't good for the man to be alone? I'll tell you how. Because God knew what it was like to be alone. God God doesn't just know that it's good for the man to be alone because God's omniscient, which he is. He's not just talking about head knowledge. There's an, oh God. 
I'm trying to wrap my mind around this. But God, who is an omniscient God, a God who knows not the beginning from the end, but the end from the beginning, at Mount Moriah tells Father Abraham, now I know. What do you mean now you know? It's not head it's not head knowledge experiential. I'm not saying God didn't know anything intellectually. He did. But God is so intimate with his creation. Well, Isaiah said this about the children of Israel before their exodus. In all their afflictions he was afflicted. That means when they hurt, he hurt. When they suffered, he suffered. Hallelujah. When they were grieved, he was grieved. Listen, church, God's not some abstract God out on the parameter of his creation, just mindlessly watching by. As when you suffer, he suffers. When you hurt, he hurts. When you grieve, he grieves. And he tells Abraham, amen, when you went up to Moriah, you didn't go with yourself. Now I've experienced something with you. That's the beauty of this God that we serve. How does God, how does God know it's not good? For, I don't know, is that too heavy for you? I'm trying to wrap my mind around all that. But God says, it's not good for the man to be alone. How do you know that, God? It's not just head knowledge. Amen. God, God is so, the Holy Ghost is very intelligent. God is very omniscient. But God knew what it was like to be alone. Amen. Evidently, that man and that woman were doing something for God that the angels could not do, that the earth could not do, that the millions upon millions of stars could not do. Y'all ain't hearing me today. He's not condescending to talk to the giraffes. He's not condescending to creation to talk to the hippos. I want to see the man. I want to talk to the man. I want to hear his voice. He needs to hear mine. But I want to hear his voice. And Adam does something he's never done before. He sins. Their eyes are opened. Evidently, if there was a covering upon them from Psalm 8, maybe it was lifted at that time. They realized they were naked. Before naked, not ashamed. Now naked and ashamed. And they, they, hear, they hear the Lord coming. And they try to cover themselves with fig leaves just from the, from the waist or the loins down. And they hide themselves. And here comes little Adam! Where are you? Not because God doesn't know. You know sometimes God will ask you a question so you have self-revelation. And you have self-discovery. And you have to, and you have to make an admission. Just like Jesus did with the blind man. What would you like? What? Lord, what do you think he wants? He wants his his sight to be... No, I want him to make a confession. I want him to make an admission. And you know what? Can I just tell them what I tell the folks at Shelbyville? Sometimes if you've got to confess something, I'm afraid somebody will hear me, then bury your head in a pillow and tell God. Stick your head in a corner and tell God because your confession is what brings about the miraculous. Amen. I don't want silver. I don't want gold, Lord. I don't want any coins. Lord, that I might have my sight. Yeah. 
are you doing, Adam? I hit myself. Why'd you hide yourself? Heard your voice. You never did that before. Why are you hiding? I know I'm naked. Who told you? And there was a severance between God's relationship and man from that point on. God told him, in the day you eat, you shall surely die. And we all know Adam lived to be 900 and some years. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just assuming. I'm just assuming Eve died before Adam. I'm just, can you imagine the first man experiencing the first human death? And they did die. But God said, in the day, in dying, ye shall die. What is death? Death is not just cessation of life. Death is separation from the presence of God. Get out of the garden. Why do we have to get out? So you don't have access to the tree of life. Well, evidently eternal life only belongs to the righteous. God will not let us sin. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. Let me, let me. So I'm going to hasten on. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. So this relationship is severed. That voice, it it comes, it came to Adam. Strangely enough, it came to Cain. The voice of God came to Noah. And the voice of God came to Abraham. The voice of God came to Jacob. And the voice of God came to Moses. Not only that, but the same creative voice that we read about in Genesis 1 and in Genesis 2 and in Genesis 3 and in Genesis 4. It's shaking and it's reverberating at Mount Sinai. God was so good it came in pockets. Amen. His voice. He would speak to the prophets. He would speak through the prophets. I'm talking about the voice here. Would you stick with me for a moment? But there's a period of time. There's a period of time between Malachi's last words and a breakthrough event in the gospel that we rightfully so call it the 400 years of silence. Can you imagine? In creation, before creation, there's a voice, no creation. Now we have creation and no voice for 400 years. For 400 years, there was no spoken word. For 400 years, there was no written word. For 400 years, there's no prophet. For 400 years, there's no seer. For 400 years, there's no vision. There's no utterance for 400 years. Amen. It started with a prediction and a prophecy. Amen. About Elijah's return. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. He shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to the fathers, lest I come uh, and smite the earth with a curse. But what the prophet Malachi prophesied, it came to pass well before the time we enter into the gospel accounts. The priests were neglecting the temple. 
Amen. They were not teaching the people the ways of God. The Jewish people were mistreating their wives. They were mixing and mingling with pagans. And they had a problem with tithing during this time. Amen. This 400 years, there's no prophet. Where there's no prophet, there's no voice. Where there's no voice, there's no direction. Where there's no direction, there's no vision. For 400 years, there's no inspired record of God speaking to his people. There was no voice until we get into the gospels. And the period of silence is broken. Finally, finally, John the Baptist, who we read about, he arrested the attention of the Jews who sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? They asked him, are you the Christ? Are you the prophet Moses talked about in Deuteronomy 18 and 15? There was a messianic fever in all of Israel. Are you Elijah? No. Are you the Messiah? No. Then tell us who you are. He didn't say I'm the Messiah's cousin. He didn't say I'm John the Baptist. He didn't say I'm the son of a priest. He said, I am the voice. They haven't heard this for 400 years. But God has visited Israel one more time with a man of God. He's visited Israel one more time with a word from God. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not Elijah. I'm the voice. And it's his voice that breaks that silent barrier. And he had a message from God. That message was repent. Very similar. His ministry was very similar to Elijah of old. That brought God's people, amen, to repentance. Hallelujah. These people have been removed for centuries upon Elijah. All they know is what's been passed down to them orally. All they know, amen, is what they hear maybe in the synagogue written about that prophet. They're so far removed from Elijah. But here comes this man. Amen, amen. Don't tell me. Don't tell me people don't want to hear from God. You can be here in a beautiful edifice like we're at. Amen. Or you can be in the middle of nowhere like John was. But if you got a word from the Lord, amen, you know people know that there's a voice. Hallelujah. They'll come into the wilderness to hear you. He's touching some old roots. Amen. There's some history being replayed here in Israel. Hallelujah. Would you just bear with me just for a few more moments? Amen. I really believe God wants to do something great. Hallelujah. He's got the message. Amen. Of Elijah. He's got the lifestyle of Elijah. Hallelujah. For 400 years, finally, the silence is broken. Amen. Now we've got some direction. Amen. Now we have some vision. What are you going to do, John? Amen. I'm going to be the forerunner. I'm going to prepare the way. Amen. I'm going to preach repentance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, I'm going to tell people, amen, that they need to bring forth fruit and meat for repentance. Hallelujah, I'm going to blaze the trail. I'm going to clear the way for the Messiah. Who are you? I'm the voice. So Jesus takes his disciples. He's at the coast of Caesarea Philippi. And he asks his disciples, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Who? What are they saying about me out there? Well, 
Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're one of the prophets. That's good. That's what they think about me. But I want to know what does my church say about me. That's the outside parameter. Who do you say I am? And with a revelation from God, Peter says, Thou art the Christ. Think about this. In, in John, in John we have the voice. But in Jesus, we have the word. And it's not just word, but it's word made flesh. It's the word tabernacling with men. I know there's a lot of Pentecostals that have problems saying this, but I feel like I I just would like to say it just because it makes me feel better. Jesus is the Father. Jesus is the Son. Jesus is the Holy Ghost. God's Word is no more a separate person from Him than my Word is a separate person from me. You've got the voice, and now you've got the Word made flesh. Oh, hallelujah. Matthew's genealogy, amen, tells us Jesus is the son of Abraham. Jesus is the son of David. Amen, that's very important to Matthew's audience who are Jewish. Hallelujah, because that's covenantal language. Amen, Abrahamic covenant and the Davidic covenant. Amen, and Matthew proves, takes us all the way back in Jesus' genealogy. He's the son of Abraham and he's the son of David. Luke takes us in the third chapter, amen, and tells us that Jesus is the son of Adam but John goes farther back than Abraham John goes further back than David and John goes further back than the first man Adam he goes all the way back to the beginning and says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God I want to say this. If Jesus ain't God, ain't nobody God. And that's not good grammar, but that's good theology. I'm in my fourth course in AST, and I still say ain't, pert near. And I'm from northern Michigan, and I say a every now and then. It's cold outside, eh? This is a nice-looking church, eh? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If Jesus ain't God, ain't nobody God. I'll tell you this. If Jesus ain't God, worshiping him's idolatry. But if Jesus is God, he needs to be worshipped as God. If Jesus ain't God, ain't nobody God. If Jesus ain't God, he ought to be arrested for character assassination. 
given a Grammy or an Emmy for best leading actor because he sounds just like God. He acts just like God. In fact, when you put him on the witness stand, he said, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. He looks just like God. Listen, I was in a conversation one time with somebody that didn't believe Jesus was God. And I quoted Jesus said in John 10, 30, I and my Father are one. They said, which one? I said, the same one, ignorant. And he said, well, you know, Jesus, okay. He said, Jesus in the, I don't know what I'd say if people said, no, it's not okay. I guess I'd just keep on preaching. They said, Jesus and the Father are one like husband and wife are one. I thought, Lord, do I kill him now? I said, you mean to tell me Jesus and the Father are one like husband and wife are one? He said, yeah, that's how they're one. I said, well, I'll, I'll give you this. When a man and woman become, when they get married, they become one flesh. But even though my wife and I are one flesh, I cannot say he that hath seen me hath seen Julie McDonald. But Jesus said, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. If Jesus ain't God, ain't nobody God. Jesus has God's name. Jesus has God's body. Jesus has God's spirit. Jesus has God's church. Jesus has God's power. Jesus. Jesus. The very word of God. Well, I just wonder if there's anybody in Rialto, California that still believes here, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. He's the word. He's the word. He's the word. Do you believe he's God? Then you ought to worship him right now. (laughs) Angels worshiped him. Devils worshiped him. Women with issues worshiped him. The disciples worshiped him. Creation worships him. And his church ought to worship him. Go ahead, brother. I'll wait for you. Hey, I'm not trying to be insulting, but I saw an elderly lady up here with a walker spinning around. Amen. What are some of you that got good hips and good knees and good feet and good legs waiting for? I'm not talking about Buddha. Buddha's dead. I'm not talking about Muhammad. Muhammad's dead. I'm not talking about another prophet. They're all dead. Jesus died. I believe that. But he got back up on the third day. He ought to be worshipped. He ought to be worshipped. He ought to be worshipped. I'd like to get something moving here. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who's above all, through all, and in you all. The one Lord is Jesus. The 
one faith is Jesus. The one God is Jesus. The one spirit is Jesus. All hail the power of Jesus' name. makes me think there's a black man in me trying to get out. Hang on. Jesus. Jesus said, as my good friend would say in Revelation 1.8, I am Alpha and Omega. Man, I can't even get to my notes. This is a word church. I can tell you that. I am Alpha and Omega. Alpha is the first letter in the Greek alphabet Equivalent to the English letter A Omega is the last letter In the Greek alphabet Equivalent to the English letter O That don't work for us Unless you're from West Virginia Your alphabet don't go A through O Our alphabet goes A through Z And that's what Jesus was saying I am every letter In the alphabet To the Greeks I'm A through O to us in Rialto, I'm A through Z. He's the very word of God. Just like in the English, we have letters. Letters make words. Words make sentences. Every word is made up of every letter in the English alphabet. You with me? So when Jesus said, I'm Alpha and Omega, I'm Alpha through Omega. You know what he was saying? I am A, Genesis 17, 1, Revelation 1, 8, I'm the Almighty God. B, Luke 1, 68, I'm the Blessed God. C, 1 Peter 5, 7, I'm the Caring God. D, Daniel 3, 15, I'm the Delivering God. E, Deuteronomy 33, 27, I'm the Eternal God. F, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, I'm the Faithful God. G, Titus 2.13, I'm the great God. H, Leviticus 19.2, 1 Peter 1.16, I'm the holy God. I, Job 32.8, I'm an inspiring God. J, Exodus 20 and 4, I'm a jealous God. K, Psalm 17.8, I'm a keeping God. L, 1 John 4.8, I'm a loving God. M, Isaiah 9.6, he's the mighty God. N, James 4.7, I'm a nigh God. O, Matthew 28.18, I'm the omnipotent God. Philippians 1.60 He is the performing God Q 1 Timothy 6.13 He's a quickening God R Nehemiah 9.17 He's a ready God S Isaiah 35 3, 4, and 5 He's a saving God T Jeremiah 10.10 He's the true God U Exodus 3.14 He told Moses I am that I am He's the unlimited God First Thessalonians 5.23, he's the very God. W, John 5.17, he's a working God. X, 2 Chronicles 
The eyes of the Lord run to and fro in all the earth. You can't hide from Jesus because he's the x-ray vision God. Why Matthew 27 and 50, he's a yielding God. And see John 2, 17, he's a zealous God. With John, we have the voice, but in Jesus, we have the word.